0: Enter the unique world of virtual gameplay with Nintendo Virtual Boy. The first three-dimensional stereo immersive 32-bit video game system ever. Virtual Boy is so advanced it can't be viewed on conventional TV or LCD screens. Virtual Boy comes with the Mario's Tennis Game Pack. Featuring a three-dimensional court with depth that only Virtual Boy can deliver. Play singles or doubles in either one or two player mode. Nintendo Virtual Boy, a 3D game for a 3D world. <laughs>
1: I thought by proxy, maybe it'd be very cool if, you know, Dennis McKenna could come out and we could, you know, strap him to a chair and make him experience what Terrence
2: missed. Okay, guys, welcome back to this week's America show, uh, where we got some new toys to play with. But uh, first, how's it going tonight, Crab?
3: Hello, Darren. How you been? Uh, How you been? by? Doing pretty good, bye.
2: Yeah, got a new preamp. So, hopefully we're sounding louder and clearer?
3: Yeah, we're trying to improve our audio here constantly, so hopefully we... It'd be nice to get it to a level where we don't have to worry about it.
2: Yeah, that probably never happens. Yeah, probably not. It's just...
3: uh, Our personalities. Like
2: walking up the down escalator. Well, So, what's new? Any spam, uh, spam this week? We'll be talking with, of course, Denny Younger later on about some virtual reality... Oculus yeah. Rift. Didn't you fucking buy an Oculus Rift today?
3: Uh, yeah. Well, no. I met a guy at hockey last time. We were talking about VR after this uh, interview we had with Denny. Fascinating. I learned a shitload of stuff about VR. I didn't realize how far it's come and what we can do right now. So, buddy was saying he's going to buy the new Oculus Rift. I said, well, let's split it. So we're uh, we got one to share. How much is it? Three fifty plus shipping. So it's over four hundred bucks.
2: Oh, so if it's a real good one, he is just. Buy another one.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Or yeah. fight over But it. that's
3: the new one that's not being released till July or August.
2: Ah, uh, so we got some time to kill.
3: Yeah, I think Denny was talking about that actual model, right?
2: So we'll have that fucker in the igloo in no time. Yeah. So would you, I wonder how we, we got to talk to Danny about getting that game sent over then so we can test her out.
3: Is that all we need to do, is just get the goggles and then we're ready to go? I still can't really wrap my head around how it's all connected, but I think you're right.
2: I'm assuming. Yeah. Get the goggles and fucking away you go. Goggles and a joystick or something? I don't know.
3: So soon enough, we'll be doing our Dry America show from Easter Island, virtually.
2: Yeah, well, we actually had a... uh, That was one of the suggestions I got uh, when I I put a tweet out asking people what we should do for a one-year anniversary. Um, somebody suggested a live show from Easter Island. Are they going to fund it? Uh, well, they didn't mention any funding. Yeah,
3: too bad. We can't really afford to fly to Easter Island. No. It'd be nice, though. It would be
2: nice. One day. One day. We did get a couple, uh, happy anniversary tweets. Jared Drake, of course, our Kiwi ambassador, says hey guys great episode and happy first birthday what a great achievement kudos to you both for keeping it real and uh psychedelic nov- de- novelty on twitter says uh cheers and congratulations guys it's been a great ride so far
3: sweet yeah so love the feedback thanks hey i've got a, another synchronicity if you want to talk about it um i kind of it's it's from uh, justin one of our bloggers and I don't want to continually go on about these synchronicities, but this is kind of just going to maybe tie it all up, and we'll see what you think of this.
2: This is not going to tie it all up. No, I still want to crush people's dreams. Send in your synchronicities, <laughs> and I'll uh, and I'll judge them.
3: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I'm just gonna summarize it. Basically, it's a podcast synchronicity. He's listening to a variety of podcasts in the same like, but no. Th- no good, no good, no. <laughs> Hey, I'm sure you've had this happen before because it's happened to me before where topics get, you know, from different podcasts release on different days and you have this crossover of uh, similar topics. Yeah. Over or like time. when we or we'll, like when we schedule a guest and all of a sudden I listen to like Mysterious Universe or something and that same guest is on or something weird happens like that. That's not synchronicity. I know. I didn't say it was. Okay. Just about though. Close. So he was catching like up standing on...
2: standing at the bottom of the scale. Look looking up. up. Wishing.
3: <laughs> okay, so he was listening to some podcasts, uh, Graylean Report, for example, and, and this thing kept coming up about uh, the 14 being spelt like 14, right?
2: Who's 14?
3: That's my number, actually.
2: Oh, God. They're in flurry. We've been over this. <laughs> Nobody cares.
3: That's not why. <laughs> Anyways, um... So then he started listening to another and he got a shout out on the Gralian report, so he was pretty happy about this shout out right and then he got uh another shout out from another podcast who was also mispronouncing Fortian. they called him fourteen mind Justin's one of our bloggers and his uh his blog name is Fortian mind so he's been called fourteen mind fourteen mind <laughs> that's what we should call him from now on hey, hey fourteen, 14.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> Is that the synchronicity?
3: No, and then and then a, a couple other podcasts he listened to um, had some synchronicities along the same thing. So I'm gonna give you the summarized bullet points that he said and let, let me know what you think. So this is this is the summary. Three different podcasts recorded separately and released on different days, all listened to by yours truly, which is him. One Thanks. right one right after the other within a time frame of a few hours. Okay? A personal shout out to yours truly followed by a tale of mispronouncing a word used in my pseudonym on one of said podcasts. Another personal shout out to yours truly followed by the mispronouncing of said word in my pseudonym on a following podcast. A random mentioning of a government program that triggered the name of said project and another mentioning of the same government program that triggered the same response as before on the podcast following the first.
2: I'm going to give it a two because I'm too confused. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i didn't do a very good job of summarizing it
2: no sorry justin love you buddy but it's too too confusing
3: i hope his fiance doesn't get upset she's actually caught up on all our episodes and he says uh this is a woman who i've tried to get to listen to a podcast before on my own more than one occasion i guess what i'm trying to say is that if you can get her attention you're doing something right
2: yeah well Thanks,
3: Justin. So, thanks, Justin. Sorry, buddy. I butchered your synchronicity there, but... Uh,
2: and made it a two. Graham made it a two.
3: <laughs> I know, buddy. We've had some together ourselves, and I know it was more than a two. I'll give you, like, at least a six for that.
2: You don't get a scale, Graham. <laughs> your scale just goes from five to 12.
3: So, looks it like, uh, looks
2: like we're going to roll over the money bomb. Uh, it's not set in stone yet, but... Uh, probably going to roll over to the end of next month Um,
3: can you explain to people what that
2: is uh, yeah it's our 50-50 donation segment Um, you can check out gramerica.ca slash money bomb for all the details there's some uh, no donation necessary options there and also some subscriptions so um, we should try and pump the subscriptions out it's five bucks a month comes with an email address and gets you in the money bomb every, every month so jump on that and We can start giving away some cash.
3: Yeah, it's just a a way to help us support the show, right? We do have expenses here and stuff. And, uh, you know, THC, the Higher Side Chats, has started this whole concept off, and and they're doing well. They're giving away a few hundred bucks every month. So, you know, get your money in, donate. Half of it will go, well, not half of it yet, but some of it will go to us, and at least a 100 bucks will go back to somebody that that follows the show.
2: Some will go to the Oculus Rift.
3: Yeah, that's out of my own pocket, buddy. Sweet. All this shit's out of my own pocket. (laughs) That's how they get you. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I've got, uh, I want to say hi to my friend Rye in Mexico. He's the guy that actually, uh, when we started off this whole podcast, he's the guy that had the orb video after his sweat lodge experience at orb in his living room.
2: Is that the one on the YouTube channel? Yeah. Fucking YouTube trolls, man. Anyway, yeah, that's one of the first things you ever posted, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's he's living in Mexico now. Um, he, he, he did a uh, ayahuasca ceremony, so I was hoping to uh, read it. Is that all right? Absolutely. All right. So here's what he says. It's very strong and intense. The ceremony was fantastic. It was approximately eight hours, and it was held by the Church of Santo Dime. We've heard them talk about that before, right? That's one of the two main churches that does ayahuasca ceremonies. This specific ceremony was called concentration. There was three doses of ayahuasca, whereas there usually is only two, and they're spread out over eight hours. The ceremony was held outside, mostly under a large teepee. The men were on one side and the women on the other, creating balance. There's a center table that had 13 people and were constantly singing and using rattles. They were shamans holding the space and they were guiding you to a beautiful experience. Though I could not understand what they were saying, I found out that the messages and guidance I received was exactly what they were saying. Ezra Randy, that's his uh, girlfriend, told me on the ride home when I told her about my experiences. When I put my hands to my eyes, I could see some amazing geometry, which was made up of plants and stones. Then every time I closed my eyes, I was whisked off into another life. Full on in depth. At one point, I was like, I want to see if I have control over these other lives. And in one that was taking place in ancient Egypt, I tried to control it. And I started to get very sick and nauseous. It was as if I caused a strain in the timeline. And a slight change from the past would affect the here and now. At one point late in the ceremony, after the third dose I gave up, I was like, I can't do this. I can't follow this path, it's too hard. And I just said, that's it, I'm done from the spiritual journey. I finished the ceremony and I was. it was amazing. And maybe it was just surrendering to it all. When I got home, I stopped at the nearby convenience store and when I got out, I noticed lights, in possible pairs circling us, coming from the top right and down to the bottom left of me, big circles about 10 feet in diameter. When we took peanut for a walk, that's his little dog. I noticed that there was a small light particles raining down from the sky onto us. And then I also noticed, no, I also saw what could only be described as a bird of lights flying by. I saw it for about 50 feet, 50 feet. Then it disappeared. I also saw a stick handle or a stick slash handle Looked like it was made out of oak. The wood was dark, perhaps oiled. And it looked like it was either coming out of a Randy's back or it was in a carrier on her back. And it was only there for a couple seconds before disappearing. So he says, I did get one strong vision. I saw two fighter jets, older ones, such as the ones from Vietnam, but one was all black and the other all white as they flew by each other. They destroyed each other and the pilots fell out from each plane and each pilot was the opposite color of his plane. They fell into a scale also black and white one on one side and the other on the other side. Mother ayahuasca held the scale, which was balanced. No one was better or worse. The message I got directly from her as she spoke to me was no matter what, even If the direct opposites are fighting, she loves us all equally and does not take sides. She finds balance. It was like there is no right or wrong, good or bad. We are the ones that create that sort of thinking. That's our perspective. Our views, not spirit. It was also a bit of yin and yang. Also that we have to start seeing each other and everyone as real brothers and sisters. Once you take on that mentality, your perspective changes and you start coming more from a place of understanding and love. Like, bring you love. So I, I thought about um, when he was in that Egypt timeline, like, what if he's actually, and I've heard this recently on other podcasts, where when you're doing this uh, entheogens and, and this type of psychedelic experiences, that you actually could be creating uh, a rift, in a portal or something, or you're able to see stuff that is actually real, but in our normal state, you can't. So what if he's actually, because space and time is only, only it's all one, right? So what if he's actually in Egypt, sort of uh, peeking through that veil, and people could see him as an entity, like a shadow person? Like, what if mm. shadow people are actually people? Or
2: like fuck-ups in the future?
3: Maybe, yeah. Trying to... Trying to have these spiritual fucked experiences. Up, fucked
2: up on drugs.
3: <laughs> Don't put it that way.
2: Well, not in a bad way.
3: Yeah. So
2: So I could eat a bunch of mushrooms and go fucking creep out some people back in whenever yeah, or yeah. even in the future. Well, I wonder may if not I could do it, do it in the future.
3: Maybe psilocybin won't do it. Maybe you could do it from the future. Maybe you just need more. Maybe you just need more. 20 grams. Heroic dose. So yeah, he was intrigued by that. He couldn't get that that notion out of his head for a while. Hmm. He said in the Next Egypt time, ti- try
2: and haunt Graham, <laughs> so we know for sure. Like <laughs> knock it. some shit off his oh. shelf.
3: <laughs> I want to see some entities.
2: Cement entities. Yeah, what's that like a cement ghost? Entities.
3: So, oh. um, in the Egypt timeline, he saw a river flowing very near the pyramids, and I was trying to and. And what does he say? And as I was trying to control was the flow of the river, whether it was speed or direction. The Nile doesn't flow as near as I had seen it in my vision. Well, I was just watching a show called Decoding the Pyramids, and sure enough, it did at one point. So maybe he was back at that time.
2: Hey, I watched those Decoding the Pyramids. Yeah, I know. How'd you know?
3: Because I found out about them from you.
2: Oh. You were watching it? Or he was watching it? He was. Okay. So yeah, do some more uh, ayahuasca and try and fuck with Graham. That'd be great.
3: So what'd you think? Pretty uh, interesting experience, eh? Yeah. What'd you think about the black and white and mother ayahuasca and
2: seems racist. No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it would make sense. Makes sense that it uh, would come down to that. I suppose you know, the universe knows no right and wrong.
3: Mm-hmm. It's our perception.
2: But, I mean, sometimes it's our perception is right. But it's just... I suppose it's man-made. It's like an artifact of man. Good good, and evil. Hmm. If we're still in the jungle and shit. Yeah. Have to
3: say. Anyways, thanks for sharing, Rye. Rye? Rye. Rye. the week. I all right, well, it sounds like it's time for the UFO quote of the week. What do we got this week, buddy? You're lucky. I just found it. So nice let's try on the surprise. Yeah. I'm,
2: how am I lucky? Well, because I wouldn't have
3: been prepared.
2: Well, that would be good for me. Yeah, That's a I know. S- small yeah. victory. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. There are too many independent eyewitness reports to ignore, too many of the reports describe coherent physical effects. And there is an agreement among the accounts concerning what was observed. But of course, there are also physical effects. The Air Force report of the F-16 jet scramble incident on the night of March 30, 31st, 1990 allows us to approach the problem in a rational and scientific way. The simplest hypothesis is that the reports are caused by extraterrestrial visitors. But that hypothesis carries with it other problems. We are not in a rush to form a conclusion, but continue to study the mystery. That is Dr. August Messin, Messin Professor of Physics at the Catholic University in Louvain. Nice. Can I do another one? Uh, I don't know. This is my one. All right. All right. The phenomena seems to be real. The general coherence of citing reports worldwide should not leave researchers indifferent. One does not conceive objective arguments to justify an attitude that would avoid at all cost these observations. The risk is, at worst, to confirm the existence of unknown vehicles appearing erratically into our atmosphere. A hypothesis that seems to explain nearly all reported aspects of the phenomena and could be linked to the current 1970 exobiology branch of space research that's from the 1971 statistical study prepared for the cnes and french officials dr claude poyer poher 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 expert on aeronautics, astronomy, and astronautics, engineer at the French Space Agency CNES for 30 years. CNTS? CNES. That's like French NASA. NASA. Well done. Thank you.
2: Thank you. So I think that uh, about wraps it up. eh? Didn't you want to
3: welcome a new country? Oh yeah, shit.
2: Yeah, Honduras. 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 Talking like Graham. Yeah, that was number ninety. So we're like uh,
3: ten away can, from we're the working hundred, on that yeah.
2: little fucking land bridge there between North America and South America. Ah, yes. I believe they call it Central America. I like unofficially. that. I really
3: want to go to Central America.
2: Yeah, yeah. You could podcast from there. I think they have decent internet. Really? They're downloading the show. Maybe so, we'll
3: go there virtually soon.
2: Virtually, then actually, you'll just be in your fucking little closet at your apartment
3: in your if- underwear. Any of our listeners have Oculus Rift and are ready to join us?
2: I don't think it works like that yet. No? No. (laughs) I think you can just try out some, like, different fucking models or demos and shit. But we'll see. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Speaking of
3: VR, we have Denny.
2: Yeah, Denny Younger will explain us the ins and outs of that. It was a fun chat. Uh, Next week, we'll be playing our chat with... uh, Len Caston. Len Caston. Mick Len Talking some Planet Serpo, and I, I think we're going to be doing a Raelian episode after that. So I think next week, is it Raelian?
3: Yeah, man. It's going to be all out Serpo and Raelian.
2: Two weeks in a row. Two, two weeks, weeks in of, a row. Two weeks in a row, yeah. There's still time to get in questions for the Raelian one. Uh, I think we're doing the chat Tuesday night. Um, so if you guys got some questions, uh, go ahead, fire them on down. Uh, as always, spam the shit out of Graham tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend about Grand America let's double our numbers in June here and
3: uh and I hate to say it but Facebook is taking off so like Facebook oh yeah yeah
2: we passed the 500 like mark so yeah keep uh, pushing the Facebook page and uh yeah let's spread the word spread the uh, hegem- hegemony
3: yep hegemony hegemony, hegemony. depends hegemony. on how you want to pronounce it hegemony, hegemony. I hegemony. like hegemony
2: it sounds right. dirty all right, guys, enjoy the uh, chat with Denny Younger, and we'll uh, pick you up on the other side. Okay, guys, to this afternoon in Grab America, we're going to be talking with uh, Denny from Cloudhead Games. Um,
3: here in the Igloo, first, as always. How's it going, Grab? Hey, Darren. Fantastic today, buddy. We've Fantastic. got uh, a new mic set up here, and I think we're going to sound a little better for everybody. And and uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I remember talking to Denny after our uh, Grant Cameron <laughs> episode, driving, driving back to... Uh, to Vancouver. So we have Denny Unger here. He's president and creative director at Cloudhead Games Limited, the developer of The Gallery. <clears throat> Six Elements, the first commercially announced game title designed from the ground up for virtual reality. Denny's pioneering work with VR interactions, utilizing motion control and novel locomotion solutions, led to consulting work with Oculus VR, Sixth Sense Entertainment, and Valve. A long-time VR enthusiast and gaming entrepreneur, Danny is passionate. Danny <laughs> is passionate <laughs> about creating engaging, immersive experiences that both entertain and enrich the human experience. So we're looking forward to chatting with with Danny about about the gallery game and also about VR in general. So welcome to Grimerica, Danny.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys about
2: it. Not too excited. I hope <laughs> we could be a bit of a letdown. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So let's start with your with your game, the gallery. Like we've watched the, uh, like I got to be honest, I've watched the t- trailer and it gives me shivers, man. The music and the graphics and the whole, the whole thing, very professional. Looks really cool.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it is sort of uh, heavily inspired by Mist. I was a huge Mist uh, fanatic and Riven and all that kind of stuff, uh, and so we took a lot of inspiration from from that kind of feeling, and I, it just kind of fits the VR. Uh, aesthetic really well, being able to sort of, you know, navigate these strange new worlds, um, but really be there, you know, be present.
3: hmm Do you want to tell us a bit about, about the game? Sure. So it's, um, it's
1: basically a puzzle-solving adventure game. Um, you, you play the part of an urban explorer who uh, stumbles upon an ancient hidden gallery deep under, underneath a, a sewer complex. You know, you're doing what most urban explorers do, which is spelunking, forbidden places Um, and you eventually come across this ancient gallery that contains six sacred paintings and each of these paintings represents one sort of core element of life so there's six elements Um, and you actually step into these painted worlds and and your whole purpose for being there why the gallery's there is kind of a big unknown so you're you're just exploring those worlds trying to figure out what
2: the meaning is. Very cool. That does sound kind of misty. I remember playing mist way back in the day, but it was mostly frustrating for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: mist was very, very hard. I mean, but that's one of the things I think a lot of mist fans appreciated about it was uh, that the puzzles didn't, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't pull any punches. They really made you think. How, um,
2: so how long have you been working on this?
1: So we started um, last last year. Um, uh, really Early last year, we, we ended up getting... Uh, we started Kickstarter in March and we ended up getting funding for our Kickstarter, uh, and then did sort of private investment and kept developing. Um, so yeah, so a year and four or five months kind of thing.
2: So Kickstarter, we like Kickstarter around here. How much actually Dennis McKenna was another Kickstarter success story. Oh, was he? I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. He gained the. I think he needed eighty six thousand or something like that to take the time off of work to write his his latest book. Um, nice. So, what was your what was the, what was your guys's goal? Uh, we well, we made our we we
1: actually raised about the same number. It was around eighty six thousand, um, and then did secondary funding
2: after that. Sweet. So yeah. how um so how could, how soon can I play? Like, what? Well, how long before <laughs> people people are playing this?
1: Well, so uh, this is a really long story, but the short version is that you know Oculus basically reinvented what VR means to people. I, we always have this sort of preconceived notion that VR from the 90s was terrible. And it was. It, for the most part, it was a bad experience because the technology just wasn't there. It was an amazing concept um, that just needed some time to catch up with itself. and. Um, it took a really smart young guy named Palmer Lucky to kind of cobble together the right pieces, um, now to make uh, all this stuff work. And funny enough, it was because of cell phones and cell phone technology that all of the available technologies became cheap enough that you could sort of put them into a headset, have the resolution there, and then of course you know computers have advanced so much that we have finally have the GPU horsepower we need to develop uh, games in the format. So. When does the game come out? <laughs> it will come out um, when the Oculus uh, consumer version releases. Right now, there's just a development kit uh, that available that you can purchase um, as a developer. Um, and more recently, Sony has released uh, the Sony Morpheus, which we're also starting to work on. Um, so both of these companies are sort of taking the lead in uh, releasing a commercial viable VR product. And we'll be releasing when they do, basically. So uh, by the end of this year, we hope to have sort of a, a playable um, uh, closed beta. Right now we have an alpha that people can play. Um, and we're releasing like little snippets as we go. But uh, the full release won't come till sometime probably early next year.
3: Cool. So your, your game will be, um, you'll be able to play it with different uh, uh, components like Sony versus uh, Oculus or whatever?
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, basically since, uh, so Facebook bought Oculus. Yeah, we of, wanted
3: to talk to you about that.
1: Yeah, so they, they that happened fairly recently and um, caused, you know, it, it actually was a great thing in that it, it sort of changed the tide of what VR was doing. I Like, I always had the sense it would be a big thing, but not not that kind of sense. I don't think anybody expected the Facebook buyout of Oculus VR. Um, but what it really did was it it brought it into the sort of common uh, psyche. Like everybody gets that VR is basically
3: rebooting itself. Oh, okay. Is that yeah, Facebook
1: it, CIA though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's there's definitely issues there. <laughs> um, so, but so it was, it's Zuckerberg, right? Yeah, Zuckerberg. Uh, so he he's a huge VR nut in in that he he has this. Um, Desi- he basically wanted to. He wanted like a pet project to move away from from Facebook, and his pet project was to do the metaverse, which is you know this this working, learning, living, virtual construct of what reality is. And so he's sort of enabling Oculus to do that with his sheer you know bankroll um, to to sort of make that make that all happen. So that that kind of forced you know vr into the limelight in a way that it probably wouldn't have done before i think it would have got there eventually but this is just kind of like fast tracking it
2: i remember playing virtual boy <laughs> back in the day tennis no one, talk,
1: no one talks about virtual boy
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah except for darren of course <laughs> i don't even remember that one so everything oh, so was
2: red i remember that <laughs> and you had a headache after yeah
3: exactly <laughs> so um so do you think that this face so is that a good thing then this facebook buying oculus cuz of course i thought i heard that everybody was pretty choked at the beginning but
1: right i think that you the majority of people who were upset with that were um the original backers of the oculus vr oh. kickstarter um, um and and I think that really comes down to the fact that the majority of those people were um, they were backers and also big time VR enthusiasts. You know, the, this was people backing before anybody kind of knew what was going on. <clears throat> and to them, it's like they they were they were frightened, I guess, that uh, what it would mean is that Facebook would you know create the next Farmville or whatever in VR and sort of move away from the core amazing potential of what VR could be. Um, But I think that Oculus has done a pretty good job of sort of navigating that message and and making people understand that what it really means is that they can basically do a bunch of things with the hardware that they probably couldn't have done so easily before uh, with respect to, you know, just adding all the bells and whistles that they really want to get into the product and then releasing it at a price point for consumers that's like actually
2: attainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah. What are we looking at for price?
1: Well, no one really knows yet. So the the developer kit right now is, uh, well, originally for the DK1, the first uh, prototype version, it was $250, which was very reasonable. I think they took a loss, actually, when they released that to developers. Uh, They're releasing a second development kit called DK2. Uh, That's $350, I believe. Um, But those two numbers mean nothing because I think the ultimate rollout of the consumer product is is going to be determined a lot by how Facebook decides to implement their marketplace. So there's been like speculation that they might, for example, release the headsets for free. Um, just like basically like you would go into a, a cell phone store and get your, you know, your Galaxy 5 or whatever it is for nothing as long as you pay for a contract for X amount of years or whatever so i think that's kind of the there's all kinds of strange ideas floating around but i think the the bottom line is that everybody wants it to be dirt cheap so that it's accessible to everybody Mm. yeah because i mean facebook is talking about doing you know a multi-billion person simulation Um, and in order to make
2: that happen you have to make the hardware dirt dirt cheap simulation within a simulation within a Simulation.
3: So, in other words, we'll have a lot, of, a lot of people committing suicide in China in the next couple of years <laughs>
1: yeah well, there's always that potential <laughs> that, I mean it's gonna, I, when people say that to me, I always, I always like to think of where it is right now. I think you know some people are just predisposed to abusing everything, you know whatever's put in front of them, and it just I, I don't think that it's really going to fundamentally change. The rates of that kind of stuff happening—it's just—it depends on your psychology, right? Before you get into the, the usage of the
3: product. Oh yeah, I was actually talking about the manufacturing aspect of it, like the, oh, God. like yeah. the iPhone. You know how all these iPhone plants have—they had to put nets up to stop people from actually falling or jumping or whatever.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> half a million workers in a factory. Is it really? Yeah. Fuck. That's. Pretty- I wonder if they're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> So do you do you uh, how much how big is the um, how big is the anti VR community I guess because I have heard some rumblings kind of in the in the shadows of people that think it's a bad thing um, do you do you guys see much of that because I can, I mean there's not a lot of people out there developing VR games I don't think
1: that's that's a really interesting. Thing I think this is all going to start unfolding in the next two years, really. Um, Once the product goes commercial, uh, it's going to be a. I think there's going to be a lot of hysteria about VR and what it ultimately means to society. Mm -hmm. But but like every major technology, every sort of major achievement that humanity undertakes, it it always. It's always a black and white yin and yang thing, right? There's always good, there's always bad and I think VR is going to be no different than the internet that way. There's there's some tremendous positive impl- implications and there's some tremendous dark impli impl- <laughs> you know, bad shit. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah. have you guys had to address some of the physiological or physical symptoms after long-term use of VR?
1: <clears throat> That's interesting. We've I mean, we've been we basically had our heads in the headset six hours a day for a year and four months. Right, that's um, a pretty
2: good sample size. <laughs> yeah, um, and aside from that's probably the average teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, aside
1: from like you know having Rift burn, like a rash around our face where we're wearing our headsets. Um, <laughs> I don't. I actually don't think there has been any sort of native uh, long term. May, maybe it's too soon to tell but uh, so far we've been okay. Um, there's like this burn-in period. It's really interesting when you're working in virtual reality that it's, it's like the first couple weeks, you, your brain doesn't have a context for the experience. And so it is it is very um, disconnecting. It's very strange. It's very exciting. And your, your brain's just simply trying to come to terms with what that all means. And a really inter- it's like the same ramp that everybody experiences like over a period of two weeks you you slowly your brain builds this sort of natural filter for the experience to the point where you're just you're put on the headset and you realize that oh i'm in vr now and that's everything's fine um so there's like this natural sort of burn-in period
3: hmm. yeah that makes sense is there also a transition after you remove the headset to kind of get back to reality no uh, initially, in, yes, uh, I guess
1: it's been a while, but, um, there's, there's like this, um, subtle euphoria. Um, uh, mostly I think it's just excitement to be honest, but, um, but there is a bit of a, a physiological disconnect between what you just did, uh, and coming back to, to the real world. I've had people say, you know, who have, who've not done it before that they felt, um, a little bit spaced out, or they felt um, like maybe they shouldn't drive for a little bit, or you know, <laughs> weird stuff like that. I think that's probably going to be pretty common for for the you know
2: first couple of weeks for people. Yeah, yeah. I felt that after like twelve hours of Grand Theft Auto, though. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Regular two right. D <laughs> yeah. up in
1: the back room. Right. Exactly. Um, I just realized I didn't answer your previous question, which was uh, what headsets is it going to be released on? So. Oculus, uh, Sony's Morpheus, and I can't mention the other ones, but there's a there's a few really strong contenders who are also releasing headsets, um, and I think most indies who are developing for the format right now are just trying to kind of get a sense of what the market will be. But what the thing that's like uh, absolutely solid is that VR is going to be a massive ground title shift uh, in the whole. Uh, In in a number of markets, so, you know, entertainment, training, education. Podcasting? um, Military. (laughs) Oh, military for sure. Um, Basically, you can pick almost any any potential market, and VR has a
2: place. Wow. You'll be able to go hang out in a little Facebook lounge and meet your friends there.
3: Well, that's what I want to do. I want to... I want I wanted to talk to you, Danny, about when we can get our virtual Grimerica podcast uh, up and running. Like will we that take us like a years? Demo. Actually
1: there's um I'll I'll try to find you a link after the show, but there's there's already people doing um virtual reality talk shows. Uh, and it's it's actually pretty interesting because you can basically do like a late night with David Letterman show with no budget and you can build a virtual set. You can have guests come in, sit down beside you, look at them, talk to them. They look at you, you converse in a very sort of natural way. That stuff's already happening.
2: Really? So we could do our interviews via virtual reality Skype and we can just, we can just make these crazy fucked up, stupid stu- places where these people come into, and they're just like, Whoa. yeah, like
3: sitting on the pyramids in Egypt or something. Exactly. Sitting on
2: toadstools, and it's fucking raining, fucking rainbows. <laughs> you could, you can basically tailor your your
1: show environment to whatever the guest is talking about. For sure, all that stuff is is attainable now, even with just the development hardware and and some very basic uh, tools.
3: Wow. So, speaking of the technology and the tools, like. Um, I was also reading a little bit about how the improvement in that has helped the, uh, level of risk or whatever, or, or at least for some of the initial like sicknesses and all that now that it's, uh, you know, that it's so good that you're actually immersed right in it. Um, so there, yeah,
1: that's a whole really interesting, um, uh, cobble of stuff that's uh, so yeah so <laughs> vr of the 90s was terrible for a lot of different reasons and the, the things that have made it better are uh, you know a wider field of view um low persistence displays so that you don't get image blurring or tearing when you look around really quickly right. um faster gpus um higher res displays uh it's sort cert- and and really good um sort of one-to-one motion tracking um all that stuff makes for a very compelling experience. Um, one of the things that they didn't quite figure out was, well, how do you handle uh, rotation in, in VR? So like, v- right now, VR, if you're sitting down and you're sitting in front of your computer on the couch or whatever, and you're looking around in a VR space, it tracks all of that very naturally. You can look up and down and left mm-hmm. and right and tilt your head and all that stuff. And it will mm-hmm. track, track one-to-one. But they didn't figure out what happens when you try to rotate your body right or left without actually rotating your physical body. And what happens is you use a joystick, like you're using a Xbox 360 game pad or whatever, and you use the right stick and you're going to do a rotation like you would in Grand Theft Auto or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You, there's a huge disconnect it's a vestibular disconnect between what your inner ear is feeling and what your uh, visual system is telling you is happening because you're not physically turning. It just looks like you're turning. Um, so if you're not driving that rotation with your body, then you start to feel sick, you get nauseous. So so that's one of the things that we had to work really hard on over the last year and it, it ended up with us building this thing we call a VR comfort mode, which basically it what it does is it simulates what a dancer does when they spin and they a dancer s- spins and in order to avoid getting sick, they spot in the distance. They're always keeping their head and their eyes locked on one point in the distance while their body rotates. So we've emulated that in software so that when you do a rotation, it's like these quick sort of snaps that happen. And it prevents you from getting that vestibular disconnect in your inner ear. So Um, do you still
2: have to use a joystick to to move around?
1: So there's two ways to to navigate. And VR is a real mind screw that way because you kind of have to account for a whole slew of different locomotion modes. Um, and that's where it's going to really differ from sort of a standard game experience. You have to give people like a huge variety of options. Um, so with our game, for example, you can, you can have a game pad and you can stand up physically if you want to. And you can rotate your physical body. You can turn all the way around 360. And that will feel totally good. But you you could also sit down and then just use the gamepad to rotate your body, right? So you don't have to physically do it. Hmm. So it it just kind of depends how physical you want to get with the system. I mean, we also have hand tracking, so you can actually reach in and grab objects and play with them. Um, but we also have it mapped to a gamepad, so if
2: you don't want to do that, if you don't want to be that physical, you can you can do it that way too. Can it be so like I'm like running around my living room and like putting stuff up to my <clears throat> arm to shoot and stuff? Yeah. With, sure. How do you do that with just like camera technology?
1: Uh, so there's a few different ways. Um, Oculus is handling that with uh, positional camera tracking. So there's a camera that's mounted on your TV and it's tracking where your your body is in physical space, rather than your head. You, all the head tracking and stuff that's all on the headset. But when you when you're trying to track the body, it's always done you know externally. Not always, but so uh, Sony for Project Morpheus, they have another, like it's a, a depth field camera that sits on your TV or whatever, and it can track your body position that way as well. So you can like literally get on the floor and lay down if you want, and it will track that in the game. Um, and then uh, Sixth Sense has uh, something they call the STEM system, and it use, it uses magnetic tracking. So you can put like this little sensor on your belt or on your head. And it will track where you are in 3D
2: space using that. Wow! Nice. Yeah, I like it.
3: So you're by looking at the graphics and the and some of the stuff that uh, the Joe sent us on people reviewing your game and all that. I mean, it, it looks like you're right immersed, like you'd be right immersed in that environment, right? It's, yes. It's pretty uh, pretty crazy.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So it's hard. It's
3: the one of the big challenges with VR is.
1: Explaining to people what VR actually does, and it uh, when you tell them, well, you're right in the game. You know, you're you're in the center of it. You're in yeah. the middle of it. They yeah. they kind of go, oh, so like IMAX. Yeah, they don't get it, right? Yeah, like no, no, not like IMAX. You're you're really literally in another place, and you, you experience this very unusual thing that I, I call bilocation. You're in two places at once. You your your brain is like trying to figure out how the hell can I be here when I'm still sitting in my office or, or whatever right um that it's it's a very strange multi-dimensional kind of experience that when people try it for the first time their jaws always drop it, it just when it's done well and when it's done right you you can't have you can't help but to have that kind of reaction hmm.
3: so t- talk a bit about your game what what's um because i've also read reviews and i've heard people talk about your game like it's uh it's leading edge in a lot of ways now what what makes your game different over a lot of others well to be
1: fair i think it just a lot of it has to do with um the fact that we had a head start with the hardware it it didn't exist before last year so um we just sort of jumped (laughs) into it in a way blindly i guess ignorance is kind of bliss that way but we we took the hardware on and, and decided, you know, we wanted to do a VR game, wanted to just sort of tackle the, the the challenges, and you know, it's something a lot of AAA studios wouldn't do because they wouldn't want to take that kind of risk on an unproven technology. So, I guess where we had the lead primarily was figuring out how to do locomotion in VR that in a way that wouldn't make people sick, um, and figuring out how to integrate that with motion control so that you had full control of your hands and your arms. Um, those are sort of the two key areas where we had a really good head start and and l- have learned an immense amount over the last year and a bit. Hmm.
2: What 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 uh, medium is the game on? Like obviously it's too big for a CD or a DVD. <coughs> mm-hmm. How how does that work? Is it some sort of a cartridge or No, it'll
1: be so it'll be uh on PC. So um through the Steam marketplace. Uh, Valve has a marketplace called Steam and uh you know they're like the biggest PC game marketplace there is and and you can basically upload you know any size of game onto there and it will like download it from the cloud onto your computer so PC will be our sort of primary market and then uh, the PS4 they also have a digital marketplace Um, I'm not totally sure how we'll be going uh, sort of getting our game through them if it'll be through that marketplace or if it'll be a physical uh, like Blu-ray or something what kind of sizes are we talking about Well, so that's a big challenge with VR. Uh, one thing that you could get away with in, in old school game design was you, you could really kind of cheap out on your textures and the resolution of graphics that you're observing in a 3D space. Mm. In VR you can get like <laughs> literally within like a centimeter of an object and it feels like you're doing that, you know, you're looking right right that close. So. Every texture in your game that's going to be scrutinized, you have to, have, you have to be able to up-res that you know, to a realistic scale unless you're doing something that's more abstracted right. uh, like in terms of a game style. <laughs> so, so file sizes quickly ramp up in VR. So I, I can't give you a final number on how big it will be, but I, I do have a sense that it will be probably a bit bigger than the standard sort of game. So I
2: don't even know what the games are these yeah, days. We're
3: not really, yeah, we're not really the gamers these days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, i've been playing um golf stars on my phone quite a bit lately golf stars <laughs> um i was I'll, I'll boot up steam and try to find like a
1: sort of common file size but it'll be um you know over a hundred gigs or
2: whatever holy shit
3: yeah i was gonna say a couple gigs but wow that's crazy yeah That is I mean, that...
2: crazy what 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 could you even you can you put a hundred couple hundred gigs on a blu-ray
1: uh that's a great question i don't even know um let me see if i can find elder scrolls skyrim Um, so that's that's pretty
3: good so what about um what about your game like i have heard that your game is is you know developed you're developed for vr right up right from the get-go right so are these other games then going to try and and um convert from whatever platform they have now into vr
1: so yeah uh, they will and they'll do a terrible job actually that's that's probably like the the worst taboo you could do for trying to give vr its like best chance at succeeding because there if we've learned anything over the last year it's that there are so many subtleties with learning the language of vr that you can't you just can't port an old game to work in vr and expect it to feel good right it, right there's so many things that 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 happen perceptually um, that can make people feel terrible that it just, in most cases, it doesn't work. I mean, right, there's, right. Always, there's always a you know, portability sort of ratio. Like it, If you spent a lot of time on X quality of a game, you might be able to get it to work well in VR. Um, but I, do, I have a feeling that most companies won't be willing to dump that kind of time into it. Um, and it will be easier for them in a lot of ways to, to just ramp up and do a whole new title for VR.
3: And I guess I guess it depends on what type of game it is too, right? If it's, a, you know, it might be different if it's a sporting game or something like that as compared to a first-person shooter or adventure or whatever.
1: Yeah, so the, f- the funny thing about first-person shooters in VR, um, so Half-Life 2, somebody had converted... Half-Life 2 to work in VR. Actually, Valve converted Half-Life 2 to work in VR. Um, and it was a really interesting experience because you're basically running at completely unrealistic speeds. Like you're running at like 30 miles an hour. You'd never do that in real life. And so the consequence of that is that it, it, the accelerations and stuff while you're in it feel too, too fast, too crazy. Uh, and it really burns you out when you're tearing around corners that fast. The other really weird, interesting consequence is that when you're shooting a person in VR, uh, it has a whole different psychological weight. And this sounds really airy fairy, but it does. There's a there's like oh, this no, no, op- not at all. Yeah, there's, a, there's this consequential weight of, of shooting at somebody in virtual reality that feels very visceral. And it's, it's that filter of you sitting at a distance from your monitor is completely removed from the experience. And suddenly you're face to face with a being that at a distance looks like a normal human being. And it really feels like they're there. Their proportions are there. They're, you know How far away you are from them all feels right. So when you're taking a shot at somebody, it's like you get burnt out really quickly. So it's like after 20 minutes of doing that, having a gun battle, you come out feeling fatigued. And I think... Dirty. Yeah, yeah, potentially. And I, I actually do believe that there's some potential for creating post-traumatic stress disorders in virtual reality. I mean, there's, there's great potential for treating that in VR as well, but I think the, the opposite holds true as well. I think somebody's gonna get screwed up mentally from an irresponsible developer pushing things too far
2: in VR. So and you, you can to... get Blu-rays up to 128 gigabytes. Right. Already. And that's just what Wikipedia says. So I'm sure you can even get bigger in that. So I wonder if that's like, is, I wonder if that would sort of raise an ethical dilemma in <clears> the <throat> fact that, you know, these kids might, you know, sure, it's hard to kill, pull that trigger the first couple of times. Then it gets easier and easier and easier. I wonder if that, if that would, uh, you know, come out of the game and make it easier to shoot <clears> someone in real life.
1: I think this is going to be a huge topic in virtual reality over the next five years. What are the moral implica- implica- implications? I can't speak. Yeah. It's going to be virtual gun laws,
3: virtual gun laws, <laughs>
1: <clears throat> but it, it does. It does. It has a completely different context. So yes, you like, I mean, the military has got to be drooling over this in some incredible ways because they, they know that, you know, they can sort of bypass uh specific programs and get into desensitizing soldiers to do X, Y, Z, um, and not feel terrible about it. But I think, uh, like, for example, um, a lot of indies are starting to do these horror games in VR because it gets a really visceral jump scare kind of reaction going from people. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but it's not going to be long before the first person dies in VR because they got scared to death. You know, right. from, from you know they got a weak heart, whatever. Um, the, all that stuff's going to happen. So there, there is going to be a massive debate about that. I think, in, in, and that's also kind of why we're trying to steer our particular game and experience towards something a bit more explorative and, you know, um, internalized. It's not, you know, you're never going to get scared. Or we want it to be like an approachable first VR experience, something that draws you into another world, but doesn't, you know, hurt you. Hopefully, it sort of
2: elevates you in some weird way. I wonder if the porn industry must be all over this in some way, shape or form. Yes. Yeah. Huge. Um, and that's uh,
1: that's all just starting to progress now. But yeah, I mean, so they have 3D scans of, uh, you know, instead of doing the normal photo shoot in, in for porn or whatever, they'll, they'll do like a full 3D scan of naked models. And there's, you know, interactive porn being worked on in japan <laughs> what about so football. so is yeah, oculus
3: rift gonna have like a full face mask with a pair of lips in too and everything
2: <laughs> i think i i think i actually <laughs> it comes uh, with scent i heard something oh, no. about that some guy in an oculus with an oculus headset on just in the air at one of these expos maybe it was <laughs> yeah. on a mysterious universe
1: <laughs> yeah there was a there was a clip um with a guy uh, they had some kind of mechanism hovering over his crotch and it was <laughs> it was like a piston action a uh, fleshlight or something like that that was that was working with one of the Japanese games, so all that stuff's going to happen absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, that was all predicted with you know teledildonics and all that crazy stuff back in the '90s. You know, eventually people are going to have virtual sex, and that it, it's going to be a, that alone is going to be a massive industry. Um, and again, it's going to have um, positives and negatives associated with it. I don't I don't completely damn that industry, you know.
3: Well, it's good to know you're not going to get into, or it doesn't sound like you're going to get into like shooting games and stuff like that, but I guess it would be inevitable that that stuff's going to, that's going to happen. And there's going to be lots of those.
1: Yep. We don't have to, I mean, it's going to be a huge thing. There's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be doing zombie games and killing simulators and, horror games and i just i wanted like if we could sort of make any impact on the vr market it would have, it was to you know be among the first like 10 games made for vr in the first year that it wasn't about killing something you know right. it was it was about you know something that hopefully kind of enriches the experience of being human or whatever I don't
3: know. <laughs> that's awesome so how is there a lot of people developing from the ground up vr like are will you, will you guys be in the top 10 I think we have a pretty good shot at it. Um, there's obviously still
1: a bit of time between now and the launch, and uh, AAA studios are definitely um, seeing that this is what's going to change in their industry. So um, I still think because we got we had such an early start that we'll probably be among the first ten sort of made for specifically VR games. Yeah,
3: that is exciting. That is super exciting. <laughs> yeah.
2: We should get a developer headset, but I guess we don't have any games.
1: <laughs> there's a, there, well, there's like hundreds of... Uh, Does
2: it come with like purgatory or something at least? You can just like go into some white space and wander around? <laughs> there's
1: actually quite a few um, just sort of cerebral, you know, very, very small experiences. That, so there's like hundreds and hundreds of developer indie developer um, experiences that you can download if you have a Rift. Um. So that alone is is a ton of fun, and it's a great learning experience too. Just seeing what people how they're pushing the technology and what, what you can kind of do perceptually. Yeah,
2: what do you like, have to do to be considered a developer?
1: Uh, well, for the for, for Oculus, you don't have to do anything to be considered a developer. Um, they've basically done this open door policy with uh, getting development hardware. If you have three hundred and fifty bucks for DK two, you can throw it down, and there you go. You're done.
2: Really? Yep. And then we can get these hundreds of different things online.
1: Oh yeah, and they're all free. Wow. Yeah.
3: Because hmm. uh, we were talking on our last podcast about autonomous sensory meridian response, and it's like a uh, right. Uh, if you, so you've heard of that before? That,
1: that's where like they whisper and stuff. And yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Yeah, and I guess this this woman who who's all into this stuff is uh, she's developing stuff with virtual reality people too and I don't really know how that's going to work but I guess it'll incorporate into your experience or something like that
1: I did see that video I'm sorry I can't remember her name but I I did see um the experience that they were trying to build it looked really intriguing yeah
0: Hmm.
1: yeah it was some kind of uh from what I remember some kind of uh, flight through the the cosmos and she's talking to you and you had to go into cryo sleep or something like that yeah (laughs) yeah It, (laughs) it it looked pretty neat actually
3: yeah, it sounds it sounds like you could do a lot for all kinds of stuff including meditation or relaxation too. I mean, you know, if you could whisk yourself off to your favorite place in nature. Yeah. And uh chill out. I mean, that could be a good way to uh slow everything down too. Virtual
2: so tu- tourism.
3: Yeah, virtual tourism. Yeah.
2: We should get out in front on that.
3: <clears throat> yeah.
1: You, you should. I mean, there's already um there was two things that I wanted to do in VR and one was either, you know, make, make a a mist like game, um, or, or do, um, relaxation tools. Um, and, and basically that you, you know, have like five different settings that you could walk into and there's nothing to do in that environment other than just relax. Um, and, and that I've already seen coming. I, I was just at, uh, the SVPR conference in uh, San Diego and, sorry, San Francisco. And they had, uh, there was two guys working on those exact kinds of applications. And it was awesome. So I was in this stressful, busy convention hall and, you know, running a million miles an hour. And I saw this guy's little demo. I sat down, I put the headset on, and then I was on a beach. And there was someone, you know, telling me these very calming, uh, you know, going through this sort of meditation, guided meditation and uh, I felt great when I was done. It was five minutes in the chair, and that stuff is, is going to have a profound effect on a lot of people.
3: And that's still going to be for like us normal people when they, when they come out with the commercially available headsets, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is all, this is all stuff being developed for that explicit perso- purpose, right?
2: If anyone can get one for $350, I'd i would say it's commercially available right now. It is.
1: I mean, Oculus is kind of playing coy with that whole thing. Like they're saying, "Yeah, this isn't a commercial thing," but yet it is really. I mean, the the DK one not so much because it had lower resolution optics and there was a couple little hardware issues. But the DK two that they've they're releasing next month is uh, it's a commercial product. I tried it twice, and um, the resolution's there. The comfort is there. It's got you know positional tracking all sorted out and. Um, yeah, it's it's a commercial product.
3: What are, what are some of the differences we would see? Like if we get into your game with Oculus, and then we switch over to Sony Morpheus, like obviously there'll be some sort of difference, but will it be noticeable, or will they all be just sort of the same?
1: <clears throat> um, it's hard to say when they finally come out with the you know their end. Commercial product, right? Uh, um, but right now they're pretty much on par. Morpheus and Oculus—they have the same qualities, the same sort of resolution, same field of view. Um, Morpheus has full positional tracking, whereas Oculus has sort of like a limited positional tracking. With with Morpheus, you can literally get up, stand up, turn your body around, lay down on the floor—it tracks all that stuff. Whereas with Oculus, it's more like a seated—you can lean your body over, it'll catch all that that kind of motion. Um, but you can't really stand up and jump around. Mm. Uh, but it, but in terms of just the experience of wearing the headset and what you're seeing and perceiving, they're very, very close. Um, Oculus does have one thing above Sony right now in terms of just their development hardware, which is they have something called low persistence, which is it, it basically um, blanks out frames as you're rotating your head so that you don't get any motion blur. Mm. So there's still a bit of motion blur with the, the Morpheus, but I'm you know, pretty certain that Sony's smart enough to figure that out by the time they go commercial.
3: Wow, I want one. Yeah, yeah, we're just fantasizing here in the <laughs> in the studio in the igloo. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so, if people wanted to play your game, um, where will you be demoing it next? Or are you going to be in uh, any conferences coming up? <clears throat>
1: Um, well, we might be at E3, uh, but I, I, don't actually know for sure yet. Um, our next certainty is, um, we'll be at, uh, PAX Prime in Seattle in August. Uh, we'll also be at Unite in August. Uh, it's like this unity. We, we use a program called unity to build our game in. Um, so we'll, we'll be speaking at that event as well. Um, and I believe we'll be in, at SIGGRAPH in Vancouver in August as well. So we have kind of like three events in August that we'll be hopefully showing what we're working on.
3: And, and people could actually do like a little uh, demo there with your the sure. game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Can you go ahead? No, I just wanted to know a little bit more about your game too, right? So you, you have the six elements and then there's also that education. Uh, what was the, the part you had your game? Uh, what's it called now? The one on your trailer, uh, you, I can't remember what the guy oh was. the the exploration school yeah that's it the yeah. exploration school yeah <clears throat>
1: right so we we built that just for our we you know we had a number of backers from Kickstarter and so we we built basically like a, a pre-alpha that they could play and that was the exploration school and really what it was was. I mean, we built this big warehouse, sort of like this fun zone they could go into and they could, they could climb a climbing wall and, and shoot hoops in a little crappy arcade. And there was, we did like this eighties bowling alley where they could go bowling and there was a movie theater, like a, like a really, you know, (laughs) lo-fi dirty couch movie theater. And you could throw beer bottles at the (laughs) screen and all that, all that kind of stuff. We actually had a room, uh, that you could find lower down in this warehouse where, uh, there was an oculus headset sitting on the table and you'd pick it up in vr put it on your head and then you'd actually play a vr game in vr so we're trying to like go levels down into it
3: it reminds me of lucid dreaming yeah um, I, sorry go ahead actually no that's a question i had for you is um i've heard <laughs> I've, I've have, have heard you had any you, lucid uh, yeah, dreaming experiences after, after you play so th- I've
1: heard this quite a bit. I've heard that people who use VR frequently, especially with this new new technology, they they have a higher incidence of lucid dreaming. Um, I haven't experienced that for myself, but I could kind of see where that might come from because you're it is a very lucid dream-like experience. Um, so having that you know conscious experience, um, I could see that kind of translating into a lucid state when you're going to sleep at night. So who knows? Yeah.
3: Have you ever explored that uh, uh, other than outside of gaming, like try to lose a lucid dream or anything like that?
1: Oh, me? Yeah. Tons when I was, but I was, uh, I seemed to like lose it after I hit like 25 years old or something like that. And then when I got into my thirties, I just wasn't able to get back into it. You <laughs> grew out of it, Graham.
3: <laughs> Maybe that's I why I can't do it anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, well, it's the, it takes practice, right? I think you could totally do it if you sort of stuck with it. And I don't know lucid dreaming is an amazing thing it's it's virtual reality without all the hardware
2: so i was you were talking in the uh in the pre-interview chat about um wanting wanting dennis, dennis mckenna to try out the the vr did would you want to uh to elaborate on that a little bit more
1: i do i would love him to try it um I, i'm a huge fan of uh, t- of his brother terrence's work um and uh, Terence McKenna always used to talk about virtual reality and what kind of parallel it had to the DMT experience and you know what kind of sociological implications it would have in the future. Um, and he was so close to seeing it, so very close to seeing what he was talking about all those years actually coming to fruition that it's very frustrating for people like us who are you know on that cusp and know his work, and he didn't get to experience that. So I thought by proxy maybe... It'd be very cool if, you know, Dennis McKenna could come out and we could, you know, strap him to a chair and make him experience what Terrence
2: missed. Uh, That's a good idea. I wonder if he'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be, he seems
3: pretty open-minded.
2: Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, That's, he, we had him on the show. If anybody, if any of our listeners are interested in that, it was, uh, he's one of our more popular episodes for sure. And mm-hmm. it was quite fascinating. So speaking about, about psychedelics and, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Have you heard any stories about people partaking while in VR? Like what would happen if you did DMT while they're in VR? Or the, uh,
2: <clears throat> I'd be interested if anyone's tried to recreate it as well. So that's what interests me the most. Is,
1: is it possible to um, simulate a DMT trip in virtual reality? And I think the answer is sort of. <laughs> and, but what, what interests me more about that is could you push it to an extent where you could trigger a DMT-like state? right in VR. Um, and I think maybe it's possible. I've, I've done some pretty interesting, like there's, um, it's called the Fractal Explorer in VR. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and it takes a tremendous amount of horsepower to run this, um, <laughs> this simulation. <clears throat> but I tell you, man, you get lost in that spiral of infinite fractal. Um, and you really do feel disconnected in a, in a very strange way from reality. And I think um, all all, the, all you have to do is push that with some really good sound design and, yeah, yeah. and and kind of guide it deeper down into into a lot of different kind of. Kinds of concepts that that have crossover with DMT and and some of the experiences people talk about, I think you get somewhere close to, to giving people that
2: experience, yeah, thought, a, at least in a visual sense. Like I don't think you yeah, can oh, ever no. re- recreate the stripping down of ego or the exactly. feelings of extreme euphoria or anything. Yeah, like you that. could
3: you could get the euphoria, the sense of oneness. I mean, you can crack open that third eye and that pineal gland, and and you could have the legitimate experience. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm yeah. convinced. <laughs>
1: Well, let me put it this way. I'm convinced that at very least in VR, you can give people um, that the, you know, the thing that astronauts talk about, the overview effect when oh, you know, yeah. they see Because I've, I've already done simulations in VR where, you know, you do the earth to scale and you float yourself in, in space and you absolutely get that sense. Like, holy shit, this is... And you you, f- you feel your sense of personal scale within that simulation. So I think you can give people little elements of that experience and i think if you if you can string enough of those little things together that i think you might be able to trigger something pretty interesting
2: now i could go on mushrooms so my coffee break <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly that's but that's true you, I, I really do think that in vr there's this opportunity to create um almost like psychedelic experiences that enrich you as a person, I, th- I still think that you can get, get to that. Um, and it's, it's stuff that would, it's like sort of like a, a feedback loop of stuff that would, you know, sort of make you internalize different thought processes. Even if you're not, you know, being forced down that rabbit hole by a drug, you're still getting sort of the, the at least you're getting the visual and, and sensory input that mm. you pro- would get from that kind of experience. Mm. And that might be enough to, to push it over the line.
3: Hmm. Or maybe like VR, yeah, like that could end up being a meme of VR instead of drugs, right? You know, yeah, I well, yeah. I think number two guy we should get in this is Edgar Mitchell. Then get an an, an ex astronaut in there.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he'd be <clears throat> a good guy to and go and we'll fill him full of mushrooms.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so Terrence McKenna was he actually talked about this quite a bit. He talked about how to, how to use virtual reality as like a simulated drug trip and and how you could what the implications of that might be. So I'm very interested in that. And if I can push elements of that into what we're working on, I am going to. Um, so it's already
3: kind of on the books, right? <laughs> we'll see how far we can push it. That is, that is awesome. So, so you're, so after this game that gets released, the gallery, and then, so is that what your next thing is? Like, what what's your plan after, after this? Like, what's your kind of, well, I mean, it must be hard. Everything's must be moving so fast in the industry, but you'd like to do some more of this uh, crazy development and other types of things?
1: Yeah, I I to be totally honest, I'm not 100% sure what I would do after this. Uh, there, there's there is so many potential ways you could go with VR. I mean, it really it's <laughs> cracking open a, a it's cracking open every door in in human culture. It's like You you can find a place to insert VR into everything. That's what's so spooky about it. And that's why it's going to have like a radical transformative effect on humanity in a very short period of time. Now that the technology is finally caught up, it's going to be a radically different world in five, even five years than it is now.
2: It seems like every two years these days there's some crazy shit's coming to market or this is happening, self-driving cars and...
1: Yes. I mean, if, if you're looking for pointers for the, you know, the, um, oh God, my brain isn't working. If you're looking for pointers on the road for um, the singularity, this is definitely one of yeah, them. Yeah, I was
3: just going to say that singularity sounds so much closer when we talk about this.
1: Yeah. So it, it, that's the, the most profound thing about VR is that, uh, people can basically leave the constraints of the physical reality and create their own rules in their own reality, and that is tantamount to being a god on some level. That and that's the freakiest thing about it. That's really where we're moving as a as a society, and people just don't know it yet. It's, it, this is all going to happen in like five years.
3: Yeah. Wow. So can I I ask you, I got to ask you about Grimerica as a virtual reality podcast then. So, so what would it take for us to do that? We would have to get something on, on this, uh, like valve type type website and develop some sort of virtual environment and then have everybody who wants to be in there, have their own little set of glasses and then that's it. We're good to go.
1: So um, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Super, super easy. Um, I I think it's very, very likely that, uh, at least from Oculus, um, you'll see kind of like a a bit like the App Store for Apple in that Uh. way. You'll kind of... And so podcasting and stuff will kind of fall into that context. Uh. So so if you want to download the Grimerica app, that would be your sort of entry point into the experience. Um, And... So you guys would just, uh, you'd, you'd be working just like you are now. You'd be sitting in your office um, or wherever you do your podcast from. And you would uh, boot up <laughs> you, your igloo, I mean. And you would boot up your server. Uh, and you would, you would already have created your virtual environment. And uh, you'd dumped your avatars in there. Um, I, I mean, all this stuff, um, there's already a precedent for it. And it's all doable. It's very doable. Um, and you invite virtual guests, and they come in and they pick their avatar, and then they you know pre-show and then they come in and they sit down and you have a very sort of organic conversation. You look at each other and you're both there, and it'll track you know
2: your eyes and all that kind of shit. We should make it so it's just this igloo it's just yep. the igloo, but in VR and we'll cram like and 40 it's just people like in all here.
3: over there
2: People can just be lying on the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> The neat thing about um,
1: the way this, this shifts the context of that kind of experience is that you could bring in, like, 500 people if you wanted to join the show, and they could sit in the audience. You know, you could have a virtual audience sitting there. Yeah, How that does sounds a bit too formal work. for me. I'd How rather does... be in
3: some, like, external well, environment.
1: Could, you could be in the middle of a gladiator arena, and they could all be watching you get slaughtered while you do the show or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Watching,
3: <laughs> me, watching me
1: slaughter grab. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: Run away! <laughs> how does
2: like overlap and stuff like that work like uh people occupying the same space and vr uh you just do like a collision detection and th- th- you just can't pass through that person would something crazy happen if you did like time stop <laughs> <laughs> that'd be
1: awesome no time doesn't stop you would just kind of like phase through them like a
2: ghost then you'd feel real weird for a couple of days <laughs> so what do you think in like five years like playstation 4s and stuff like that are basically a dead dead in the water like do you think it'll happen that quick or do you think think, they'll always have their place um well sony is being very
1: smart in that they're embracing the technology for ps4 so they want vr games on ps4 um i i don't know i guess i'm i'm kind of biased I'm I'm too biased to ask this question, too, but I really firmly believe that in five years, uh, we'll look at games that you play on a screen kind of like a baby toy. Like, it just doesn't compare at all. Like, uh, if, uh, the best example I can give is that uh, I was really excited to play the, the, the last Grand Theft Auto that was released. So excited to play that game because it's, like, the one I always wait for. And uh, I got it i played three hours of it and i was utterly bored and disenchanted and disappointed because i couldn't i wasn't in it i and i know what that feels like now and i can't get it through that Wow! it just it felt completely disconnected so it ruined vr has ruined me for for normal games and you'll hear that a lot do you you
2: you ever catch yourself like oh man i can't wait to get back into into um the gallery the gallery or whatever if you're playing a different game like is is, um i mean i guess it doesn't really matter all video games seem to be fairly addictive (laughs) why would this one be any different but do Um, you you like jones to get that headset on sometimes
1: no that funny enough um maybe that has to do with my age i'm 42 um i don't know there's kind of like this. I don't. I don't know. I guess when you have a family and you just don't have time to play games, it kind of loses its lustre in a way. Um, so I don't. I don't have that old addiction I used to when I was in my 20s, say, for playing <laughs> playing all these games. But what's important to me now as a developer, especially in this space, is playing like really quality experiences in VR. And and for that, yeah, I'll absolutely be excited to you know play you know whatever the, the the next great vr game is for sure because it really is you know it's like a vacation it's like little mini step away outside of normal reality
3: hmm. <laughs> you've got me all hopped up now on vr in in many different ways so this is exciting chat for sure mostly one way <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else before we start wrapping this up that uh you want uh, people to know? Anything else you want to say about your game, or if how can people get a hold of you if they want to? Uh
1: yeah, they can reach out at uh com if they if they're interested, or they can go to the website um the gallery six elements or sorry <laughs> thegallerygame dot com. Yeah. Uh, and uh just keep up to date. We're, we're kind of always releasing little things about, um, you know, new demos and whatnot. Um, we got we have a bunch of news that we can't talk about yet. Um, there, there's so many very interesting industries swirling around VR right now, and they're hungry to sort of eat up anybody who's got a bit of a head start.
2: Militaries um, <laughs> knocking at the door.
3: Can you give us a taste, like a like? Can we be the first in heard it here first in grim America type thing? Like a, a little we def- tidbit.
1: We ha- I don't think we've said it officially, but we are developing for Sony Morpheus, which is a, a good one. Um, but uh, hmm.
2: Have you ever seen a UFO?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd like to hear about that. <laughs> we talk about those. We talk about those all the time, and and every intro I do like a UFO quote, so it's uh, yeah, it's big.
1: Cool. Yeah, I've, I've seen a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll answer your last question though. Um, one of the more interesting. Uh, connections recently was uh, with uh, 20th Century Fox, and they're very interested in VR and what it means for movies and Hollywood, and and how to integrate that. Um, so I think in the very near future, you'll see some really interesting stuff coming from studios
2: like that. Oculus movies. See, so I my can't Oculus even... is going to play movies too. That'll make it an easier sell.
3: Yeah, I, I can't even imagine yeah. that. though. I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around how that'll be. <laughs> Well, for ex-
1: yeah so it's it's actually amazing it's, it's at svvr there was a, a fellow there and i'm sorry i wish i could remember his name um he and another and one of his partners they had built this custom 3d 360 degree camera for the oculus um and they put it in this guy's apartment while he was composing a piece of music and it was just this you know shitty low-rent apartment with a Interesting view, and there's stuff strewn all over the floor, and this guy's smoking, and he's writing a song, and you're sitting in his apartment with him, and and for all intents and purposes, you you're there, you're <sighs> sitting in his apartment. Um, movies are going to change in a radical way, and I actually think that that's going to be fifty percent of the market. You'll if, be able if, to be the
2: star of your favorite movie.
1: Yeah, it could be like sort of like an interactive play or, you know, you'd be in the middle of the battle at Helm's Deep or whatever. It's it's all there, man. It, it's that's the most it's almost more exciting in some ways um, just because the, it's
2: such a visceral, you know, real kind of thing. Um, Sounds kind of scary, too, at the same time.
3: Yeah. How, uh, uh, how so
2: Intimidating.
3: How I so? don't know. It's just, be
2: crazy. Yeah. Instead of just families sitting like in a row, so they can actually see each other out of the corner of their (laughs) eye while they're glued to the television, they just won't even be in the picture. Take off your headset. It's like, oh yeah, totally. You guys are here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's already couch potato families all over America. Now
3: they won't even know that they're beside each other on the couch yeah exactly so that is i mean
1: there's there's some profound potential outcomes of vr just in terms of what what could happen to society and uh for sure some of it is going to go that way like i I don't know who said this but there was a a theoretical scientist or something he was saying that the reason we one of the potential reasons we haven't been contacted by aliens um is that bullshit (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but <laughs> one of the potential reasons why uh, contact doesn't happen is that a society reaches a certain level of advancement, and they create their own simulations of reality, and then they basically end up on server farms under, underground, and they, they eventually figure out ways to, you know, insert themselves into the simulation, and they're just done with normal the normal bounds of reality altogether. And so they never leave. Cause why would you, you can create a perfect paradise in a machine
2: and that's it.
3: Show's that's, over. That's Michio. You think Michio? No, I don't think that was Michio. Michio. That doesn't sound like he would say that. I think so. No? I'm
1: not sure if he was the one that said it, but yeah, I think it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. We've already been visited <laughs> <laughs> numerous times. <laughs>
2: you guys are out there oh right nah. yeah i've seen a ufo too
3: yeah, yeah. We, we all have not uh, joey have you seen one Joey? oh
2: he <laughs> has never mind no, four had a four years ago yeah
3: yeah yeah it's only a matter of time before it's mainstream
1: no i don't think that's gonna happen oh you mean vr or ufos ufos no that's not I gonna it's happen it's not gonna happen yeah it's, it's, I've been waiting for that for 25 years and others have been waiting for 60, 70 years or 80 years. I, it's just, it, it's, it's been obfuscated, buried, burned, compartmentalized. It's so diluted now that it's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah. I don't we know. the CVR UFOs, so. I, what? Yeah. We'll oh, see VR well, UFOs. A yeah. VR yeah.
1: abduction experience would be like the worst thing you could do to yeah. a person. Yeah, you make that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's coming. I'm sure someone's working on it.
3: It's just more open now. We talk about UFOs. There's a little bit less ridicule, a little bit more acceptance. So I'm I'm confident that it's still gonna evolve yeah. and maybe crack open a bit. But something well, major will have to happen for the secret keepers to to take the lid off, though. So
2: there's
1: um there's more acceptance of UFOs in just. Popular culture, I think. So, and um, because I think everybody kind of at this point is like, well, yeah, there's so many, you know, weird coincidences, and there's so many papers and documents. Or, there's such a big paper trail. You know, how can you kind of deny it? You even have astronauts coming out talking about their experiences or seeing things or knowing things or talking to people. So, absolutely, it's everybody kind of has a sense that yeah, it's it's happened. But I think the the thing that's less clear is whether or not the governments of the planet actually have a good
2: understanding
1: of what it is and what it means. Right. So there's always kind of that fogginess.
2: Yeah. So somebody somewhere in Japan is working on the abduction experiment game and it utilizes the crotch thruster. I'm <laughs> certain of it. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, I suppose on that note, uh, we should probably wrap it up. Um, do you have any <laughs> any anything else uh, you'd like to throw out there or plug before before we let you go?
1: Uh, no plugs. I just I think everybody's in for a, a pretty amazing five years, and it the world's going to change in some pretty profound ways.
3: Yeah, no, that's awesome. It sounds like it. have really opened up my eyes. That's for sure.
2: We'll probably have an oculus in the studio before the end of the summer.
3: Yeah, maybe we'll get you back on for a quick little uh, tidbit when, when everything uh, kind of happens here and we and we get a chance to, like, really sell your game.
1: Well, you guys should come to the office and try it. You should uh, come have, have a vacation to the island.
3: Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, you're not far away. You're at Qualicum or something around the island there?
2: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Business trip.
3: Yeah. Yeah, business trip. Too <laughs> <laughs> bad we don't have any revenue to write anything off. <laughs> <No. laughs>
2: It's a write-off.
3: Yeah. All right, Denny. Well, thanks, buddy. It's been a it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. I, I sincerely appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, we'll link to everything in the show notes. Um, your Twitter, your Facebook, all that stuff too. Um, so good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Okay. Thanks, guys. Good luck.
3: We're back in the Grimerica show after our chat with Danny Younger of Cloudhead Games. Or are we? Or are we? Or are or are is we this real? Or are. <laughs> what a fascinating chat, man! I learned a ton about VR.
2: Yeah, it's pretty funny actually. We did the chat. What we did the we actually did the interview just this past Monday, and now it's Thursday, and you've already bought an Oculus Rift.
3: Yeah, that's just I know that's the way I roll.
2: Of course, you're also on Simon Szykowski's diet. and
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I'm meditating with my heart math uh, monitor, and yeah, it's pretty bad.
2: You're a two-footer, two feet in the pool all yeah. the time, eh? <laughs> so yeah, I'm here, in. folks. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be talking ascension and shit.
3: Yeah, Darren's here to keep balance. Just wait till the Raelian episode. What am I going to do after that?
2: Oh, <laughs> God. I going to join her. Yeah. Uh Time will tell.
3: <laughs> no, yep. but uh, but Danny, we're going to have to have Danny back on it like in about six months or a year and get an update because obviously this virtual reality shit's moving really fast and he's right at the forefront and he knows all the ins and outs. Plus, he's a fascinating guy to chat with about all kinds of stuff, consciousness, US, UFOs, psychedelics, you know?
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, he's cool cat.
3: He didn't really want to talk much about his UFO sighting, but maybe we'll have to dig that out of him next time.
2: Yeah. Some people just don't want to talk about UFOs with you, (laughs) Graham. It's okay.
3: I'm okay with that. Are you? Yeah.
2: You seem a little hurt. Not at all. Do you admit things still bugging you?
3: (laughs) Yeah, maybe a bit.
2: Yeah, but anyway, of course, big thanks to uh, Denny Younger for coming on the show. Big thanks to Graham's sister, Joe, for setting it up. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um. We will actually, we should be able to report back on that game firsthand here, maybe by the end of the summer.
3: Yeah. I mean, Oculus is on its way to the igloo.
2: I can't wait. Hopefully I don't have a seizure or something.
3: <laughs> we should be live on the air, that's for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. we should. Uh,
3: Not uh, that it's live on the air, but we should be recording while we first try out try out the rift.
2: Absolutely.
3: So, hey, I want to say uh, sign up for Darren's Grimerica email. Five bucks a month gets you into the money bomb, and it gets you your own email address. We've got a few out there already, so that's pretty cool. That's a good idea, buddy.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm going to cap it off at 50, I think, so uh, yeah. you guys better hurry.
3: Yeah. And then uh, Spamgram. Spam, Graham. But Graham it's not spelled Grimer- like Darren says my name. It's, it's Graham. actually spelled like Graham. the wafer, G-R-A-H-A-M, at grimerica.com.
2: Like the wafer? Are you sure the wafer isn't after the name?
3: Like the cracker.
2: Like the cracker. Like the s'more cracker. Yeah. Everybody needs s'more gram.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, tune in next week for our interview with uh, Serpo Passport. Might have come out already? Or no, it won't have come out already. It's going to come out probably this week. This week, you'll probably get two episodes, Passport and Serpo. Serpo. And then Raleigh and then after that, I think uh, Bigfoot, hopefully. hopefully. Some Bigfoot talk. Or some Rendlesham. We'll see and we'll Some open to place. I want to
3: try and get some crop circle shit in there, too.
2: We should make some crop circles. <laughs> All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed the new uh, preamp. Hope you enjoyed the show. And, uh, yeah, check, uh, check out the website, and we'll see you guys next week. See you in the future.
0: You'd see me
1: To combat my mortal self. I need you just to finish in my street, fight with street, lights reveal who I really am, and nice that's the me. I need to see defeated. Really, man, this calls for duty. I'm on my knees, hello. This life is do or die, so I strive for my halo. Other the super brothers high on mushroom junk. You can't live
0: on the edge forever. Sooner and later, you've got to jump. Hi.
1: Flee!